Welcome to the Love Girl Talk podcast. We're here to confront our deepest doubts, celebrate our dignity, and offer softly to land. We invite you to cozy on up with your favorite cup of coffee and share in our sisterhood of self-worth. And as we chat, remember, you are enough. You are worthy. You are loved. I'm your host, Julie Larkin. With me today is my co-host, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm a little chilly, but I have my tea um, feeling good, ready to go. Love it. Love it. Chai tea, normal tea, all the tea? Um, I have Irish breakfast tea. (gasps) You know, Shannon Bridget, have to live up to the name. The best. That makes me so happy. I Mm -hmm. love it. And with that, we have a guest on with us today to share her story of healing. So Shannon, would you like to introduce our guest and our topic for us? Yes, totally. So today, super excited, we are chatting with Christy Dondero Betwi. Christy has been helping people find healing and freedom from eating disorders and mental health challenges for more than a decade. So pro, she currently serves as executive director for Rock Recovery in Washington, D.C. It's a base a nonprofit that breaks down barriers to eating disorder and mental health treatment. Having previously struggled uh, for many years with an eating disorder herself, Christy understands like the depth of emotional, physical, and spiritual support needed to find full health and recovery. She's passionate about spreading the message that freedom from disordered eating is possible and helping others experience it. She lives in D.C. uh, with her husband, Ryan. And Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And thanks for calling me a pro. Always good for the (laughs) (laughs) self-esteem. We're all about that affirmation here. It's true. It's all true. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are like beyond pumped. We've like wanted to break down all of your thoughts and feelings and hear your story for some time now. So we are really excited. So kind of just like diving in, like, tell us a little bit about your work and your life at the present moment and all the good things. Sure. Well, many thoughts and feelings over here. So don't worry, there's no shortage of those. (laughs) Uh, Like you mentioned, I've been working with Rock Recovery for about eight years, and I now serve as their executive director. And I was drawn to this mission because I personally have recovered from my own eating disorder and body image struggles. And so it's just such a joy to get to help people where a place where I'm like been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and I get to really help people understand that there's more for them than the life they're currently living. And, you know, I think it's a good reminder for a lot of us right now with COVID going on right now. I read some Instagram post the other day that was from a therapist and she was like, I'm wondering why I feel anxious for no reason at all. And then I remember I'm a year into my life being totally upended and everything being different than I ever knew it. I was like, oh yeah, guys, life is hard. So that's something I always talk about too, you know, being through recovery and really accepting my body as it was created as a beautiful, great thing. And life is still hard. So there's lots of challenging things going on right now, but there's also lots of joy and beauty and connection that we're able to find. And I think I've seen a lot of redemption in this season as well. So um living here, I'm in Falls Church. I need to I need to stop lying and say I live in DC. I was a city oh. for 
years, lived in the Capitol Hill and then on DuPont Circle. And now I live in Falls Church because we needed, guys, we needed more than 500 square feet. Mm. We just really did. That's so a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> a real thing. So got some great new daily rhythms over here and it's been fun to be able to work remotely and continue to carry out our work. But no longer in DC. That's my first confession to be able to <laughs> Good. We're all about the confessions. And I actually I love Falls Church. That's such a beautiful area. And Christy, I love that you're talking about the joy that you're finding because of course it is, you know, so hard and our lives have been upended, but you can hear it in your voice that you are so joyful. And we love working with you guys at Rock Recovery, partnering with you and your mission. So maybe you could share a little bit about what led you personally to this beautiful work. Sure. So a lot of things. So I started recovery myself when I was in my early 20s, and I'll share a bit more later about my personal story. But my lovely parents, while they didn't know what to say or what to do when I told them I had an eating disorder, they had the financial means to support me. So every week, the money magically appeared in my account. I was not making a lot of money. I just graduated college working as a very underpaid intern, and I really couldn't afford the treatment that I needed. But thankfully, my parents really supported me and helped me in that way. And they've become such beautiful advocates of rock and of our work and they're just amazing. But I, after I went through recovery, you know, a couple years of treatment, I sort of tallied up the math and I was like, wait a second, what are people doing who don't have these lovely parents who can put money into their account every week? What are people doing who don't have jobs where they can afford this and their insurance isn't covering it? And I did some research and I found rock recovery. I often say I find things through the Holy Spirit and the internet and this was no... <laughs> where I sort of stumbled upon Rock Recovery. They had been founded not even quite a year ago. And there's this great organization in front of me on the internet that that was bridging gaps in treatment. We're passionate about removing barriers to care like finances or stigma with mental health. And they were creating this really cool, innovative, innovative program. So I was living in North Carolina and I came to DC to visit for a wedding and met with Rock Recovery's founder and just fell in love with her, fell in love with her vision for removing barriers to care and creating access for all people who struggle so that they can live free and full lives. And so moved up here, volunteered for a couple of years, and then now I've been on staff for eight years. So it's been quite a journey and such a joy to get to work in this field and to help other people kind of go through what I've been through. Because I always say, I don't, even though you called me a pro, I don't have letters behind my name like all of my therapists and fancy clinician friends but I do have that street cred from my story even though everyone's story is different so that's sort of where I fall in now yeah wow that's a pretty incredible journey and I also like totally just took a note like holy spirit and the internet like guiding me through it all I absolutely love that um well you know while kind of uh doing some research on rock recovery and learning a little bit about you i did hop onto your website so full disclosure here and something that really stuck out to me was you have a stories of healing section and number one i just think it's great that you are sharing stories because we're in the business of sharing stories too. And number two, I loved your like wordage, your, their verbiage, whatever English majors say nowadays, (laughs) stories of healing. Like I love that. It's not, it's not stories of the healed. It's people who are still in the process of healing and just healing such a beautiful word because it's allows for, you know, more growth to come. So I would just love to hear, you know, what's your story of healing, why you chose those words, what's your healing process, all the above. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's such a great question. And this quote often goes comes to mind for me, and I might mess it up a little bit, but Beth Moore, you know, I grew up in the South, so I got some Beth Moore love in me. Mm-hmm. And she has this really beautiful quote where she says, I'm better off healed than I would have been well. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, how that resonates with me and my own recovery story is recovery is hard. Healing is hard. I love your right. Healing is a constant thing. And I can say that I'm totally recovered from my eating disorder. So there's this total tension between healing is an ongoing journey. We're always being sanctified. We're always growing. And my relationship with food has been restored and my relationship with my body has been restored. So it's just really interesting. And I think the redemption of that is because I went through such a tough time with food and body image, I had to tear down every layer of lie that I had created or believed or took on myself and all these patterns. And I had to totally tear them down and start over. And that's where that idea of being better off healed than I would have been. Well, had I never had an eating disorder, I think I would have been in a way less better off than I am now having gone through it and had that redemption on the other side. So not to discredit how hard it is to be in the middle of our challenges and our seasons and on that beginning of the healing journey, but the beauty is that there is such fruit that comes from that hard work. So beautiful. This was so beautiful. And I I love that line, tear down every layer of lie. Oh my Mm. gosh. I I feel like I've been having so many conversations with friends lately about the lies that we're believing, you know, whether it's in our society or in our own minds and hearts, right? Like there's so many lies that we can wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and and believe about ourselves. And they're just not true. And we need the constant, Mm. the constant truth, like pushed in our faces to be like, no, 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 you are whole, you are healed, you are beautiful, right? Anyway, I just, I I love that that line, tear down every layer of lie. Well, because the world's lies scream so much louder than the true things, right? Like the whispered voice of truth is often easy to miss amongst the world lies and quick kind of story from my own recovery experience. I struggled with food in my body from about 13 to 23. It started as early as eight. When I look back to when we moved, I moved from Pennsylvania to Texas against my will at the age of eight. And, you know, life is hard. Coping is hard. Feelings are hard. And the the main coping skill that I developed was food because I didn't know how to handle my feelings. I didn't know what to do. But then fast forward to my teen years, I got really serious about ballet. So suddenly my body was on display. I had to look a certain way, had this pressure. And yet food became like my best friend and worst enemy day by day, depending on how I was doing. Was I quote unquote being good and sticking to a diet plan? Was I having a hard day and coming home and feeling kind of lost and turning to the fridge? And I just, I really had this disordered relationship with food really early on that eventually, as I went into college and got older, turned into a a fully diagnosable eating disorder. But we always say at Rock, you know, things don't have to be cookie cutter to be a problem or to be worth dealing with or or focusing on or getting help for because any amount of disordered relationship with food in our bodies can really hurt our overall health and well-being. And so for me, I kind of fell into recovery after struggling for 10 years. I stumbled across this nice guy who invited me to go to church after actually at a bar, so where I met him. So, you know, yes. yeah. All the best things. You have bar and church. What else could you ask for? I know, you guys. It's hilarious. So, this man, he's now one of my best friends. His now wife was a bridesmaid in my wedding when I got married four years ago. So, like, you just never know what's going to happen, right? But I met this nice guy. We started chatting at a bar. He asked what I did on the weekends. And I was like, well, I run and I go to bars. Like, what else is there to do? And so, he invited <laughs> me to his church. And I was like, all right, you're cute enough. 
people are really interesting enough. And the church was planted from London, so people had cool accents. So I was like, all right, what could go wrong, right? So at the church, because I, I had grown up quasi-Catholic, I like to say, but I never connected to my personal faith. And so this really brought me into a new vibrant season of faith. And um, so I went to this church, they were running a course called New ID, which is a six week course for people with eating disorders. And I was like, oh man, I don't have an eating disorder because it's so easy in our world to think like, oh, I'm not as bad as that person or I don't do X, Y, and Z. Surely I'm fine. Surely I don't have an issue. And so I've been in total denial, but, but heard about this New ID course and thought, you know, maybe this course is what will help me finally lose more weight, get control over my weird food things, like all these things. So I always joke that God tricked me twice. Once <laughs> <laughs> my like promised plan for more weight loss, like what a great idea. So I went to this course and sort of realized, oh my goodness, I think I do have an eating disorder. Like it's not cookie cutter. It's not what you see in the movies. But this is a real significant thing and it's really cutting me off from my life and like, all right, let's do it. So I'm a very all or nothing person, which gets me into trouble and also is one of my greatest gifts. So like the kryptonite and the blessing in a weird way. Um, so once I went to that course and realized that I really did have a problem, I feel like the scales fell off my eyes and I immediately started recovery. I worked with a therapist, a dietitian, kind of did all the outpatient work that I could, but it was really a jumbled little, little mess. And the hardest thing for me about the healing process is that it's not linear mm -hmm. and it's small baby step by small baby step. And I am not a small baby step kind of person. I like those big sweeping like goals and like all the fancy things. And so that was really tough, but so much of life and, and improvement and healing is just day by day, faithful moment by faithful moment. And, you know, here we are over 15 years later, and it's obviously a much more complicated story than that, but those are kind of some of the highlights about my own, my own journey. Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. And to be honest, I'm still thinking about how, when you first mentioned earlier, like you were the one who went to your parents to ask for help, um, which I, I feel like in my experience, usually it's the parents who find out what was that like? Cause that must be, you know, a petrifying moment to have to have those words, leave your mouth and ask for help. Like what, what was that conversation like, or that first step to, you know, even starting your healing process? Such a good question. And it was, it was challenging. And I think because people knew I probably struggled with my weight or I'd go up and down, or I was kind of weird about food. But I think again, because our culture is so disordered, no one really realized what was going on. And a lot of my behavior was done in secret. Like it was sort of done on my own. So a lot of people were surprised when I slowly started telling people that I was struggling with an eating disorder. They were like, what? No, you're not like, you look like you look fine or you look great or like what, you know, what's going on. And so my parents, I think they were just surprised because they were just like, oh, okay. And they kind of didn't know what to say or do. But again, you know, the, the love languages thing, they're great gift givers. And so it was great that they were able to sort of fund my recovery. It was a true gift to me. But my older sister had struggled with an eating disorder in high school. So I was in middle school. And it, it kind of felt like it was a thing we didn't know how to talk about and didn't talk about that much. And so I think it was just hard that now my parents had two daughters with eating disorders and had all these different pieces. So I think there's a lot for them to unpack and a lot for me to unpack all at once, but they've been incredibly supportive and lovely, like I mentioned, but it's complicated, right? Like relationships are complicated and it was definitely, definitely a challenge, but thankfully, even when they didn't know what to do, they, they really did show up for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you're right. Relationships are so complicated. And even what you're saying about, you know, I love your mentality going into this new ID program. Oh, maybe I'll lose my weight. This will be great, right? Like God does use very interesting circumstances for us to to reach our healing. So I just think that's so funny and and beautiful. And I and I'm wondering, Christy, what what was the most through all of this in your your journey with disordered eating, what was the most challenging part of that for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just that recovery wasn't going to happen overnight. So this new ID course I mentioned, we actually run it now through Rock. We do it quarterly, virtually. It's one of the, my favorite things that we get to do. And I remember thinking, all right, six weeks, sure. Like in six weeks, maybe I can make this progress. Like it's kind of a long time. It's a lot of time to give up, but sure, it's worth it if maybe I can be better by the end of it. And then of course, on week one, the lovely woman who created the course is like, spoiler alert, you won't be healed by week six. And I was sort of like, refund, get my money back. But, um, so that was just hard to, to know that I had more ahead of me, even though I was working hard and doing the hard work was really, really challenging. But again, just day by day and step by step, that really helped me sort of make the progress that I needed and get the momentum that I needed to carry myself forward. And sort of one day in recovery is better than all of my even a mediocre day on my recovery journey is better than my best day when I was really in the throes of struggling because there was at least glimpses of freedom that I was getting. And that wasn't really as present before. Mm-hmm. Wow. What were those throes of struggling? What did they look like for you? I'm, I'm thinking of you as that 13 year old girl or that 16 year old girl or going off to college. What did, what did that look like and feel like? I mean, I think I just felt very, undesirable, unchosen, like I wasn't enough. Like there was this constant shame just kind of hanging over me. And it was so easy for me to believe the lies of the world. Like, oh, if you look this way or weigh this much or do these things, then you're desirable. Then you'll be chosen. Then you'll be enough. Then you'll be X, Y, and Z, right? Like there are all these promises that seem to be attached to a body size or a certain way of living. And so I think I just felt this constant shame that I couldn't seem to get it together to look the right way or do the right thing. Or even when I did get it together and quote unquote, looked the right way, it didn't get me what I wanted. And so I think I just felt like I didn't know who I was. I felt I wasn't enough. And I just felt like this kind of hamster wheel where you're running, 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 working so hard, but not going and getting anywhere. Um, So that was just a really challenging, challenging time. And, and, And eating disorder can just feel like this constant weight or even just any thought about a struggle with food or our bodies. Like, it carries you, it follows you around wherever you go, you know? So it felt like it followed me into every room I went to, every table I sat down. I couldn't be present with a friend because I was comparing what I was eating to they were, what they were eating or what they looked like to what I looked like. And it was just this constant chip on my shoulder that I couldn't quite, couldn't quite shake. Right. Well, it sounds like this six week program that you did. And now that you still do it at rock today was definitely like a little bridge, right? That helped you get from one place and hopefully get to another place, even if that didn't mean full healing. So what would you say is the role of community or like it takes a village effort when it comes to healing? It really does take a village. And so the three things I always say are instrumental in the recovery process are community. So our peers experts, those fancy people with those fancy letters behind their names, and then faith and spirituality to really ground us. And so I think for me, one of the biggest things was breaking isolation. When I went to that new ID course, I remember the first week there's teaching and testimonials, and then there's discussion time. And I remember the first week 
kind of crossing my arms and being like, nope, I'm not saying anything. These people don't get me. And then someone across the room shared this story. And I was like, did this chick read my journal? Like she totally gets what I'm going through. Like, oh my goodness. And it was just so healing to know I wasn't alone and to connect with other people who were going through what I was going through. At Rock Recovery, we call that the gift of I get it. Because there's just this like, ah, you get it. Like, Mm, it's so nice to feel known and understood. And of course, we don't want to stay there in the disordered behavior, but it's just nice to know we're not alone. So community, whether it be friends or a support network that we can kind of reach out to in a healthy way or other people who are going through what we're going through through a support group or a treatment group or therapy is just so critical. And then, of course, as we work through the lies that we've believed and the things that we've sort of put on, it's hard to unpack that. So that's why therapy and working with clinicians was so critical for me. And sometimes, you know, medication for some people is critical as well, because there's just lots of things happening in our brains and our bodies. And it and it's just a, it's a really multifaceted approach to finding healing. And it takes lots of pieces. So those experts were critical. And of course, for me, I came to like true faith through my recovery. So that grounding of, you know, the idea of finding who I was and whose I was, like knowing that I was created, I was loved, I wasn't enough, I didn't have to earn it, I didn't have to do it, I didn't have to be perfect, like that was already done for me, like, were cool. And um, that was just so critical for me to find my true identity before being able to really heal. Mm. Beautiful. Wow. That that's so, so much of that resonates with me. First of all, the gift of I get it, Shannon. I know. Use that I, know. I was like, how, how do we, how do we feal that nicely? So, so real, so important not to feel alone. And and that's, you know, of course, so much of what we believe at Girl Talk, just being in a room together, being in a virtual room together and just just sharing those stories or those simple statements where you can let the girl on the other side of the room know you are not alone. We're all struggling with something, right? And that's it's just so, so valuable. We're we're made for that connection. And and I also just love that you said you didn't have to earn it right? Where we spend so much of our time running physically or metaphorically on the treadmill just to, to, to shed any kind of pounds or baggage or, or emotions or anything. And we work so hard. But I just love that you recognize that, that moment of, I didn't have to earn it. This has already been done for me. And, and I'm worthy exactly as I am. Mm, yeah. Very true. It's beautiful. Very true. It's beautiful. Christy, what do you think you know, you talk so much about community. So how can we be part of that community, right? How can we as individuals support our loved ones if they're walking in similar shoes, you know, if they're struggling with their relationship with food or body image, how can we be helpful to them on that journey? Such a great question. And, you know, this is what's great and hard about stories is that everyone's story is different. And so it can be really easy to compare or to try to get everything perfectly right. But that's just not what we need to do. So when we're supporting someone we love, the most important thing to do is just to let them know that you love them and you care for them. You know, when when someone is struggling with disordered eating or body image issues and are sort of, quote unquote, confronted by someone they love, there can often be some defensiveness and some denial. I often say it's like, you know, when you're a kid and you have your little like security blanket or your binky, sometimes that this control over food or this control over exercise becomes our binky. It's the thing that makes us feel safe. It's the thing that we turn to. And it's really scary. You know, when you're a kid, like I actually cried so hard. I threw up one time when my mom took my security blanket away. So I'm like, you know, it's hard. When someone took it away. I know I was a really emotional. <laughs> 
We love all the thoughts, all the feelings. <laughs> and then she had to wash it again and she took it away for even longer. So it was a whole thing. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, it's hard to get rid of your security blanket. It can be hard to give it up. So if you do approach someone you love and tell them you're worried about them, it's okay. Don't be surprised if they're defensive because it's their security blanket. And it's hard when they think about giving that up. It's really, really scary. But to always go with a person first approach and to really say, listen, I love you. I'm worried about you. I care for you. This isn't about your eating or your exercise. It's about you. And I care about you. So I want you to know that I'm here for you. We can help get you the help that you need. I can help you make that therapist appointment. I can talk to whoever with you. Like, I'm here for you. Let me know if you're not ready yet. I'll check in in a week or a month or whatever, but just sort of giving people some space, but also holding them accountable and letting them know that you are there for them. But people have to be ready to want to change, right? That's what's so hard about recovery in particular is there can be ambivalence. We can be like, yes, I want to get better, but no, that's way too scary to do that work or to give it up or to change. Or um, So there's just lots of push and pull that we experience as someone sort of entering that, that process of recovery. Right. Yeah. I think what's very promising is like, even though like, so like how scary or how big or how infuriating or how tumultuous the ride would be to get there. Like, I think the thing at the base of it all is like, we're capable, right. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're capable because we have all these things. And I always think, Christy, I'm a pediatric nurse. Mm -hmm. We often see eating disorders at their worst in the hospital, right? When Mm -hmm. they need their electrolytes and their heart fixed and (laughs) a bunch of other things. And I always think like, gosh, it took so much discipline to get here. And with that same discipline, like you can cross the bridge. Like you, like, Mm -hmm. and I think it's right. Like you got to be ready to make that decision, but like, we're so more than capable of doing that. And especially when you have the community, the experts, the faith, like those three things that you said, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes time to build up the disordered patterns. So it takes time to build them down. It sort of is that layer by layer again. Right. So that's, that's why it takes time because it took time to develop and things don't just change overnight. Right. So I think yeah. that's the point. Yeah. Right. And I love, I have, Oh, go for it. Oh, go nope. Ahead. Sorry. <laughs> We're just fighting for her mom and attention. <laughs> go ahead. Jay. I had a very like specific question for you in that you have been the person on the one side of the fence that needs the assistance and needs the community. And that you've also made this a career of you becoming that community for others. So I feel like you have this insanely wonderful perspective of both sides. And a question I often get from parents that I never know how to answer that I would love to hear your perspective is they always ask like upfront, there's all the medical questions. Right. And then towards the end of treatment, they're always asked like, can I ever buy my daughter a birthday cake again? Or like, can I ever go shopping with her again? And, you know, not talk about size or things like that. Like it's the, day-to-day or like the celebratory things that I feel like people get really overwhelmed by and feel like these things can get really messy with. So, you know, what are your thoughts to parents and the people, you know, living with this disordered eating and those moments of, you know, real questions and real scary situations? 
Yeah. I mean, it's really pointing to food is such a deep part of life. And so there's such a tough thing where if you're not, there's a, there's a correlation between our relationship with food and our relationship with life and other people. And so my, my immediate answer is like, yes, yes, you can get your child a birthday cake again. Yes, you can go, dare I say, even bathing suit shopping with them again, right? Like, yeah, I know, really well. So, so yes is my answer. It's just a journey and it just takes time. And I remember on my wedding day, I got married about four years ago in my, let's just still say early 30s. It was like borderline, but we'll say early 30s. <laughs> you know on your wedding day of course everyone's like you look so beautiful and all these things and I was actually at one of my heaviest weights just because I'd gotten a little older life had changed things were different and in my disordered brain you know 15 years earlier 10 years earlier if I had known I was getting married at that weight I would have been like absolutely not I will not be in front of people like lock me in a room and instead all day long when everyone's like you're so beautiful. I was just like, I know. I'm the prettiest bride I've ever been. Like, you're totally right. Have you seen my butt in this dress? I love it. Oh my and God. it was just so beautiful because it was just a heart change, right? Like, right. I felt so different. But my relationship was different. Like, I'd been transformed and my heart had changed. It wasn't an external thing. It was an internal thing. And so um, I'll let you say like, yes, like, and I loved my wedding cake and I like kept it in my freezer and ate it every day for the next month with my husband because we were like so hungry leftovers, right? Like, and there were days that I would cry over cake and recovery. So like, yes, like it is possible. Like there is joy on the other side and it, it is a journey and it takes time and sensitivity to that, in, that, that not quite yet part, right? That in between part as well. Yeah. I love that. Now we're just going to have to look at those beautiful pictures of you and your wedding. I know. Please, oh Josh. All yeah. the like photos of Christy's lives I want to see now. Seriously. <laughs> it's childhood with the security blanket. It'll be great. <laughs> it just sounds so hopeful. I love that. I mean, that whole story, there is so much joy and hope in that, you know, and it's so beautiful listening because so it's so relatable, right? Like we all go through those moments of like, oh my gosh, I could never go bathing suit shopping or whatever the case may be. And I just love that you're giving us that hope. What about what about the the girls or or the guys? You know, anyone struggling who's listening, who themselves are going through that difficult time with body image, relationship with food, all of the above. What do you recommend for them wherever they are on their journey right now? Yeah, I mean, I just want to encourage people that it really is possible to heal. It feels impossible. If someone had told me when I started recovery, I'd be doing this for a living and, you know, sort of this like spokesperson for recovery, I'd be like, you're crazy. That's absolutely not going to (laughs) happen. I think you might surprise yourself. And so just don't give up and give yourself grace on the day to day, but just believe and have some hope for your future because there will be more for you than you realize. And I really do believe that there's freedom and healing possible for you. So just, you know, don't give up hope and take it a minute at a time. It's scary when we think about how can I live like this? I've had this struggle for days, weeks, months, years, however long. And it's hard to think about the future of forever, you know, not being this way or not being struggling with this, but it's just 24 hours by 24 hours. It's minute by minute, right? It's just taking it step by step. And that's how things build slowly over time as you, as you make that progress. Totally. Totally. That's the reoccurring theme of 2020 and 2021 that I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll start listening to this step-by-step process. But it's oh, so- no, it's the worst. Don't get me wrong, but it's just true. It's just 
you know, God's mercies are new every day. Like there's just something to these 24 hour blocks we've been given to. So absolutely. Well, what an incredible story. Like now I want to sign up and work at rock recovery and like go to classes myself. (laughs) Yes. So interesting. (laughs) So how do we get involved with you? Like how do we get over there? Yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit and the internet strikes again. So always social media. So, you know, follow us on social media. We're Rock Recovery ED on Facebook and Rock Recovery on Instagram. And is Twitter still a thing? We're there too on Rock Recovery. Who knows? (laughs) Um, But then our website's rockrecoveryed.org. We've got lots of great virtual events that people can join from from anywhere with the new ID support group. We've got our annual benefit dinner at the end of February. We're really excited about on February 26th. That's open, which will be great stories of healing. That'll be live and some other things there. So we'll just love to, to connect and we've got a blog. People can come read that on our website and kind of get some more stories and encouragement, but we definitely love for people to stay involved with us in any way. And then of course, you know, we do provide direct clinical services for people that are all sliding scale. So if you might need help clinically, we have some great programs that might be available to you depending on what state you live in. And yeah, we also have wonderful supporters that make those programs possible because we do provide such significant sliding scales. So if people want to volunteer or donate, all that information is on our website. Awesome. Thank you, Chrissy. This is great. And I I can just say we were just kind of reflecting back before we started the episode that we met about a year ago at this time. And and I just walked into your office and thinking, this is amazing. I mean, what a beautiful work and ministry here. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible the kind of work you're doing for for all these women, all these people who who are on this journey. So thank you for that. And we can't wait to stay involved with you. This is great. And before we sign off, how about you? We want to ask our guest this year, how are you pouring into your coffee cup this week? How are you pouring into yourself? Um, And in what ways are you recognizing and radiating your dignity? I'm going to give you a really ridiculous answer that I hope you accept. So literally, guys, I've been putting whipped cream in my coffee and it's totally changing my life. It makes it feel so fancy and fun and it's such a treat. So literally putting whipped cream in my coffee and then just sort of recognizing and reading my dignity, thinking of the small joys. I have this very strange love of the smell of the Westin Hotel. And so I have bought like 70 mini bottles of lotion, a Westin candle and Westin hand soap. Because it just brings me joy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, this is like suddenly a sponsored spot. You can <laughs> the Westin, real big fan. And so I'm just doing the little things that bring me joy. I'm just trying to sort of, you know, have flowers in the house or go on better walks and look up side look up this look at the skies and looking down at the ground and just doing little things that bring me joy. Because it just makes a big difference. Absolutely. I'm all about that. Now I got to go to the West End and get some of those. I know. Like such a specific thing. Like my nose is going to be on high alert the next time. (laughs) I know. It's so weird. It's so weird. But I just really love it. So it brings me joy. I don't know why. Here we are. It's the white aloe fragrance. It's great. Okay. 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 All right. Shannon, next Sunday, we're we're doing it. Oh my gosh. Let's do it. One night in Weston Hotel, face mask, chocolate. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying go to get the lotion. Oh, oh. Then let's think. I was thinking bigger. I was thinking bigger. Thank you for tearing down my dream. I'm sorry. You know I love your dream. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your time with us. This has been truly a treat. Thank you. What a joy to be with you guys. I'm so grateful and excited to see when we can chat again soon. Yes, definitely. 
Well, before we sign off, Julie, any updates? Do you want to take a minute to share any exciting news about Girl Talk coming up? Yeah, yeah, I would love to, especially as we talk about this healing process of Christy. So this March at Girl Talk, we'll be launching season two of Mom Talk. It's Girl Talk for Moms. Mom Talk is designed for mothers of all ages and stages to recognize and radiate their inherent dignity. It's a virtual eight-week course providing content, community, and conversation to moms across the country. So each week, um, it includes a podcast episode with myself and our resident counselor, Anna Beth and Corey Raskin, and it's focused on self-worth, shame, body image, mental health, sisterhood, the list goes on. And moms listen to these episodes on their own time, and then they connect in their virtual mom pods each week to reflect and discuss the weekly topic. Registration's open to all moms, moms to teenage girls, toddler boys, children with special needs. If you have one child, six children, mom Snowden in D.C., mom soaking up the sun in California. No matter where you are in the country or your life stage as a mom, we want you to recognize and radiate the unique and beautiful woman that you are, deepen friendships with fellow moms, and encourage you to be the best mom you can be. So... If you're interested, if you're a mom and you'd love to dive deeper into these topics, we'd love to have you. So feel free to visit ourgirltalk.org slash momtalk uh, for more information. And, and we'd love to share a little bit with you there. I want to go. I'm not a mom, but I'm going to be there. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Julie. And thank you for everybody listening. And let's remember, you're enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Love, Girl Talk.